Psalm 62. We'll read this entire psalm this morning. We're going to focus primarily on verse number 2 uh, and verse number 6. And so as you look here uh, at Psalm 62, uh, we'll begin reading here in verse number 1. The Bible says here, Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will ye imagine mischief against a man? Ye shall be slain, all of you, as a bowing wall, uh, or ye shall, shall ye be, and as a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his excellency. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouth, but they curse inwardly, Selah. My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. And to be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy, for thou renderest to every man according to his work. Again, verse 2, the Bible says here, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 6, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And I want to speak this morning on this thought, a growing faith. Let's pray. Father, as we come to you this morning, we certainly are mindful that you are in control that you have the power to heal, but we also are mindful of the fact that you have, uh, that you work in the midst of adversity. And in the midst of that adversity, our faith is not only challenged, but has great opportunity to grow. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people that are desiring to have a growing faith. Lord, thank you that we can come boldly before your throne of grace this morning, and we can lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ who are ailing. Lord, I think of the nearly 30 within our church that are struggling with viral issues this morning. I pray that you would keep your hand upon them, that you would continue to give healing. Lord, I think of those that are hospitalized this morning, especially uh, Brother Dale and Miss Linda, that you keep your hand upon them, that you would encourage them, that you would bless them. I pray that you give their doctors wisdom and that you'd help them to, uh, to give them the best care that's possible. And Lord, that you'd give them the grace to accept what you've chosen at this time for their lives. And that in the midst of this difficulty and adversity, that they would be able to grow through it. May we, as a church family toward one another, be able to express our, uh, our love and compassion toward one another. And may we demonstrate the love of Christ that you place within us. Lord, may we be patient with one another. May we be loving to one another. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be brought even more closely together as a result of... Uh, of these last uh, several days. Lord, again, we ask that you just uh, continue to raise people up and restore health. 
Lord, we pray that you'd meet with us during this hour. It's always more difficult when we're distant. Certainly, it is not the same as when we come together in person. And Lord, we understand, but we're grateful for the, the opportunity and the technology that makes it possible for us to meet in some form. Lord, may your heart, may you be working on our hearts this morning. And may we be attentive to your word. And may we invite you, Lord, to speak to us and change us. In Jesus' name, and amen. As we look here, as David writes, and uh, David is dealing with uh, enemies who are attacking him, uh, his whole focus, especially at this point in his life, is on God. He's not, he's not focused on entirely on his enemies. He's aware of his enemies. He is aware of the danger that he's in. He is aware of what uh, is, that, that they want to do him harm, that they lie about him, that they try to defeat him. But his focus is not on them. His focus is on God. I think one of the things about a life of faith is that it's foolish and ignorant to say uh, that because I have faith that I don't have to even think about or entertain what damage or what hurt could be done to me by an enemy. Enemies cause real harm within the church. Enemies cause real harm within uh, a nation. Enemies are there and they're real and their objective is to kill, to maim, and to destroy. And to just walk blindly along in the name of faith is foolishness. When we look and we understand what David is doing here, he is living a life focused on God and of faith while he runs from cave to cave and rock to rock as Saul tries to destroy him. Uh, he did the same thing whenever it was Absalom. Uh, at different points in his life, you see him uh, responding to the danger but not living in fear of it. And so he has a balance in his life uh, in which God is working, in which his faith is being developed within him and it is growing. And we see a progression in primarily our text verses this morning of David's faith as it grows. Now, as we look here this morning at David's confidence in the Lord and his ability to look down as the enemies bear down on him, we see as he expresses this in verse number one, truly my soul waiteth upon God. Uh, and so he's not waiting uh, for the enemy to move. He's waiting on God to move. He's waiting on God's instruction. He's waiting on God's leading. His, his, uh, he is taking defensive measures, but truly he's trusting God to be his defense. Uh, and again, in verse number two, he says here uh, that he only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. And so it's interesting that he doesn't say he is my defender. It's not that God uh, is standing there as a defender that can be slain. God is his defense. God is his entire fortification. He, he cannot be removed. He cannot be annihilated. He cannot be diminished. His faith is not in someone standing with a sword, but in the God of heaven that overrules and overrides the affairs of man. And so his focus focuses on him as he says truly uh, the word truly here means only my soul is waiting only upon God he is responding to danger yes but his soul is waiting only upon the Lord he is waiting for God to tell him when to move, for God to tell him when to attack, for God to tell him when to sit back and defend, when God, for God to lead him and to guide him so that he is moving in step with God's plan that he cannot see. Uh, and so, you know, as I look at what we're experiencing right now, I can look clearly and see uh, that 
as God has worked in many other churches throughout this time, that in the midst of these temporary adjustments to scheduling, that God has continued to work, that Christians have continued to grow, that churches uh, that maybe had some problems with unity have been unified uh, through the midst of it whenever they went through the trial by just moving in step with God and what God's trying to do. Uh, and so in verse 5, he uses the word expect, or, or we, the concept of expectation. He says, my soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. David fully expects that God will fulfill his promises. He doesn't necessarily always understand how God is going to fulfill them. And he's resigned to the fact that I don't have to understand. Sometimes our problem in life is that, uh, that God doesn't answer the way that we expect him to answer. And somehow we want to feel as if God has failed us in some way. The reality is, is that God will never fail to live up to a promise that he's made. He will always be there. He will always do what's best for his plan in light of eternity, which means at times that we may be called upon to suffer, that we may be called upon uh, to make sacrifices, that we may be called upon to be the sacrifice uh, so that the cause of Christ is advanced. And so are we walking closely enough to the Lord that we're willing to, uh, to submit our desires and will to him and to accept what God brings into our our life, uh, trusting in him instead of questioning him. And so, but we see that David didn't get here just all in a day. Uh, there's a progression to his faith and he demonstrates that in the verbiage that he uses. And for example, in verse two, I shall not be greatly moved. And so why that's important to the distinction and what he says in verse six, I shall not be moved. I shall not be greatly moved I shall not be moved. And so when we talk about this being greatly moved, David's personal weaknesses, the essence is this, that his personal weakness might cause him to be somewhat moved, but his faith would come in and prevent great disturbance. In other words, there may be moments in which he is questioning. There may be a moment in which he doubts. There may be moments in which he second guesses. There may be moments in which he's trying to, Lord, I, I, I trust you, but I'm, I'm trying to get here. And we're going to look at the verse here in a moment that <coughs> where, uh, where the man says, Lord, I believe, uh, help thou mine unbelief. Uh, and so that's kind of the essence here. David is in essence saying, God, the enemy's bearing down. I don't see a way out. I trust you. You're my defense. Uh, but they're getting a little close. And I'm not seeing an escape route. And I don't understand how you're going to intervene here. He doesn't leave. He doesn't give up. He doesn't get uh, defiant toward God. He doesn't take and twist and manipulate uh, biblical truth that he knows to kind of fit his circumstance. He just uh, expresses to God that my faith is in you and I shall not be greatly moved. I, I, I might be... I, I might be stepping back a little bit, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. I'm locked in. Uh, and so David makes that emphasis as his faith uh, comes in, in, in response to this disturbance. David thought perhaps, God, I believe that you're going to come through. Uh, okay, God, I'm ready now. And so he's just not coming through in David's schedule. Uh, and then to the point of, Lord, are you there? Uh, as the enemy got closer, but uh, God, it, it, regardless, I'm waiting on you. 
In verse number two, again, I shall not be greatly moved. It's like a ship at anchor. It rolls with the tide. It moves with the waves, but it's not unanchored. It's not going anywhere. It, it's responding uh, and, 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 and on the ebb of what's taking place, but it's not removed. I'm moved, but I'm not removed. I'm not forsaking you. I, I'm not turning from you. And certainly God is not forsaking us. Now notice the statement in verse number six. I shall not be moved. There's a progression here. There is growth here. There is a strengthened faith here. I, am, I shall not be moved here carries the idea that I am firmly planted. I cannot be moved at all. I, I cannot be shifted. I cannot be made to doubt. I have experienced enough of God's working in my life that even though I don't see the way out and even though I don't understand how God's going to fulfill the promise, I have no doubts that he's there. I have no doubts that he will. I will not be caught in the trap uh, of, of doubting or becoming angry at God or blaming God. I simply cannot be moved. I am firmly planted. And so the question then is, where am I in my faith this morning as a Christian? Am I a Christian who is being tossed with the waves, but I'm still, uh, I'm still at anchor I'm just being thrown her a little bit, or am I a Christian that has a, a, a long enough life experience with God where my faith has been tested, where my faith has been tried, and where God has proved himself over and over that when all the world around me falls apart and begins to doubt God, I'm still hanging on. But it's a blessing to be around older saints that have been through much in their lives that, that nothing can shake them that nothing makes them doubt, that nothing really makes them too concerned. They're very even keeled. Why? Because they've been through it before. Because they've seen people that have been through it before. You see a new Christian come in and uh, problems come and immediately they're second guessing and they're wondering, did I make the right decision? And then you see uh, an ancient uh, old servant of God that, uh, that, that's just and you wonder, how long is God going to give them life? And they feel like they've nothing to contribute. But to the wise younger Christian looking to their example and their testimony and their leadership, they have much to offer because they're steady. They're not easily moved. They're not overly concerned. It's not that they don't get concerned. It's not that they don't spend uh, specific amounts of time in prayer and increasing times in prayer and, and increasing times of investment when it's needed. But they're just not all worked up about it. You get a young Christian and they're all beside themselves and worked up and where's God and how could this be and how could God let that happen? And then there's the old saint that just says, you know, uh, the, sometimes the storms come, but the storms don't last forever. Sometimes the storms come in, but the storms will pass. And sometimes when the storms are passed, there's a lot of damage that's been done. There's a lot of rebuilding that needs to take place. But God saw us through the storm, and God's going to help us rebuild afterward. And God's going to grow us and increase our faith in the midst of it. And so David here is just demonstrating to us by his words, Hey, I will not be greatly moved. I will not be moved. I'm firmly planted in God. He's grown so confident now that instead of fretting about his enemies, he stands back and mocks them. You can't touch me unless God gives you the okay. And thus it's God's time for, uh, for, for me to go through something for his benefit. He is my defense. He is my refuge. He is my salvation. You can't touch me without God say so. 
And if God says so, then God's going to give me the grace to go through what God's chosen for me to go through. And so David is expecting for God to come through. He's not doubting it. He just, as a matter of fact, God's come through before. God will come through now. I have no doubts that God is going to come through is David's attitude here. And so as we look here, I believe that there are three principal things that, that we need to understand from this passage that are going to help us see what a faith that's growing needs and what it looks like as we make our way forward. First thing that we need to consider this morning is this, how is faith produced? Now, I know that most of us understand I'm not going to give a, a super long list of verses here uh, to make this point. As a matter of fact, I, I'm not even, I didn't even go and try to search out uh, different verses than what we would often reference here uh, because I don't really think it's necessary. I think it's just necessary for us to accept by faith what God says and to live it. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, uh, he says clearly, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And back up a little bit here. He says, tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We believe in him. We put our faith in him. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How then shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And so he's really in the context, picking people that have never heard that Jesus is God, never heard that their actions are sinful, never heard and can't understand that, uh, that they need to put their faith and trust in Christ. How are they going to believe? How are they? And he said, listen, they can't begin to understand until they hear it. And when they hear it, they're not going to like it. And they can't begin to, uh, to embrace it until, uh, until they uh, have someone that's called to tell them. Listen, we can go out and we can, uh, we can proclaim all kinds of things. But uh, when you stand up and proclaim the word of God and, uh, and, and stand in his stead and represent him, it's that call on our lives from him. And by the way, don't sit back and say this morning, well, I'm not called to pastor. I'm not called to preach. We're all called to share our faith. And the point here is how shall they hear if no one is willing to answer the call to tell them they've got to hear. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? We need to be sending people out with the gospel. We need to be sending people out. It was uh, yesterday, the group that was here on Wednesday uh, went out and did some canvassing in, in one of our neighborhoods for a little while yesterday as they uh, got ready to pack up and head to their next meeting today. And, and so what we look here is saying, how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so if we would be moved to faith, we must hear the word of God. We must be open to the word of God. We must be deliberate in proclaiming the word of God. How is faith produced? It's produced through the word of God. Listen, if you're going through a tough time today, and you're saying, Pastor, I don't have faith enough to get through this. What do I do? I need more faith. Just spend some time with Jesus. Just get in the book. Just spend time in the word. Just read it. Just listen to it preached. Listen to it taught. 
pray and ask God to show and reveal to you himself in its pages. And as we experience him on a real level, then God begins to grow our faith. It's amazing how the more that we learn, we experience so much in life without the context of scripture. And we just think, well, this is just the way that it goes. But when you know the word of God and then we see his experience life happening and we can put two and two together. Hey, the Bible said that was going to happen. The Bible said that's the way it was going to be. The Bible said that God uh, would do this in this situation. Then it begins to germinate in our hearts and our minds and faith begins to take root and begins to grow and to blossom and to produce fruit. Faith is produced by the word of God. You cannot produce faith uh, by listening to, uh, by listening to, uh, you know, praise and worship music. You can't, uh, you can't produce faith by simply listening to uh, good old hymns. You can't produce faith by uh, sitting around just a, a, a chat group or having a, a, some kind of little gathering or meeting. Faith is produced by the Word of God. Can you sing the Word of God? Yes. Can you proclaim the Word of God? Absolutely. Can we talk about the Word of God and it come to fruition? Yes. But just the, the putting of those things together minus the Word of God may make us feel good, but it's not growing our faith. But when the word of God is interjected, when the word of God is taught, when the principles of God's word come alive in our mind, the end result is that faith is produced. A produced faith. I cannot get faith accidentally. I must deliberately go to God, especially as a Christian, especially as someone that's believer in Jesus Christ, that wants to live for him, that wants to serve him, that wants to give their heart to him. My life should be devoted to a growing faith taking and understanding that I must be, uh, put myself in a position where the word of God can produce faith in me. I would say secondly to this thought this morning that faith is then produced also by prayer. Notice in Mark chapter 9 and verse number 24. Uh, and so we'll back up just a little bit here. Uh, the, this is the, uh, the, the disciples dealing with a mighty Christ. And he asked his father and, and the, the dealing with a uh, demon possessed child. And, and the disciples have tried and they can't get rid of this demon. And, uh, and he asked his father how long is it ago since this came upon him unto him. And he said of a child. And oftentimes in verse 22 it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. He wanted to believe. He wanted his son to be healed. He wanted this demon cast out. There's no question that this loving father wanted to help his son. And Jesus said, If you believe, then it'll be so. And he said, Lord, I want to believe. Help thou mine unbelief. I'm trying to believe. I'm desiring to believe. Lord, help my unbelief. What I'm saying this morning is that as I need more faith in my life, that I go to the Word of God, that I present my problems, that I research the Scripture, that I know what God said, that I experience and live it out, and in the moments when my faith is questioning, when my faith is compromising, when my faith lacks understanding, I go to God and say, Lord, I want to believe what it says, but I'm struggling. Help me to believe. Help me to devote my heart to you. Help me to stay focused upon you. Help me to do that which pleases you. Listen, faith grows by being exercised. Faith does not grow when it sits stagnant. 
Faith cannot grow when it's just words lifted off a page. Faith is grown when it's used. Faith is grown when it's tested. Faith is grown uh, when it's utilized in our life. Faith grows by being exercised. If you have ever uh, tried to do something that takes skill, uh, whether it's, uh, the, you know, but in, in my world it tends to be, <clears throat> it tends to be between English and Spanish. Uh, and so uh, I've never had enough intelligence or discipline to learn the language. But I know a little bit. Generally, I know a little bit enough to get me in trouble. Uh, I know a little. But if I don't use it, it's a struggle. When I get in an environment where I have to use it, uh, it's a struggle because it's not regularly used. And it's not limited in my, uh, my, my problems are not limited to the Spanish language. My problems are also impacted in the English language. There are a lot of things that uh, if, if I, I just don't put together well, that I just have a struggle understanding and comprehending how this goes together and how this puts together. And I may understand how to use it, but I can't really put the labels on it and define it well and to utilize it well. But when I uh, get a grasp of something, if I don't utilize it on a regular basis and I just slip back into old habits, it's not used, it's lost. And so many times we find ourselves in a Christian life where at one time we spent a lot of time in the Word of God and we spent a lot of time worshiping the Lord and we spent a lot of time serving the Lord and we spent a lot of time engaged in uh, the lives of others and discipling them and encouraging them and praying for them and praying with them and, uh, and, and helping them along the way. And all of a sudden we find ourselves drifting away from that and we don't spend as much time at church as we once did and we don't spend as much time reading the Bible as we once did or in prayer or investing in others and being a part of others' lives. And, uh, and all of a sudden you find it where it's difficult to get back into that routine. Why? Because we didn't use it, so we lost it. Faith must be utilized or it will not grow. Faith will wither. You take someone that, and you look at some of these, uh, you know, people that were well-known uh, bodybuilders and things in their young years. Uh, uh, someone like a Lou Ferrigno or Arnold Schwarzenegger or someone like that. And they were Mr. Universe. And they uh, devoted their entire lives really to just uh, building their physique. And now you look at them in their 70s and, uh, and, and, and that physique is not what it was 40 years ago. Why? Because they're not feeding the same thing, they're getting older, they're not working out at the same tempo, they're not using their muscle structure the way that they once did, and so over time, it goes away. Look at retired uh, ball players and how at one point all these big offensive and defensive linemen were, uh, you know, 300 and 350 pounds and it was, uh, and it was, uh, they could lift this much and that much. And, uh, and those that got healthy after their playing career have come back down to a normal weight and a, and a normal size, even if they uh, are still uh, physically fit, they don't look like they did then. Why? Because they're not working out the same way. They're not feeding the the same way. Listen, our faith is determined by what we feed and how we exercise it. What are we feeding on? Are we feeding on uh, the, the cares of this world? Are we feeding on uh, the problems of life? Or are we feeding on the Word of God? Faith grows by being exercised. And the more that our faith is exercised and acted upon and used, the more active it becomes, the stronger it becomes the more dependent upon God and the more confidence that we have in God in our lives. So we see that 
faith must be produced. And we see that it's produced by the word of God in prayer. Secondly, this morning we see how faith is preserved. How my faith is growing, my faith is gaining strength and momentum. How can I preserve that faith? How can I uh, maintain that faith in my life? And we've touched on this already a little bit in, in James chapter number 2. And beginning in verse number 14, uh, the Bible says, What did the prophet, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devil is also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? That cannot exist, it cannot be maintained, it cannot be growing without works. Paul made it abundantly clear that, that, that faith uh, is all that's necessary for salvation. Uh, but James makes it clear that faith to salvation that is then not exercised and it is not led to be the workmanship of Christ is a wasted faith. It is the wasted gift of God. How is that faith preserved? It's preserved the only way, uh, the, the only way to preserve faith is to exercise it. To be working it. Listen, a living faith grows. Experience develops our spiritual uh, muscles and mindset and gives us uh, a mature strength in which our religious childhood we've never would have reached. A, a maturing Christian is a Christian who has a growing faith. And they're not locked in a lifetime of childlike faith. <coughs> Too many Christians today spend their entire adult life with a faith that never grows beyond the childhood stage. They're just stuck there and they're content. They're content to never grow up. They have kind of a Peter Pan mentality when it comes to their Christian life. I don't want to grow up. I don't want to take on responsibility. I don't want to become a spiritual adult. I, I just want things to be easy. I want things to be done for me. I want uh, the word of God to be served up to me. I don't ever want to have to go and, uh, and cook my own meal and to, uh, to serve my own meal, to take care of my own needs. Listen, a living faith is a growing faith. There was an old Scotsman years ago that, uh, that operated a kind of a rowboat ferry service across one of the locks and, uh, and he would set out and go back and forth and he was a Christian man that wanted to uh, kind of incite discussion that would give him the opportunity to witness to his passengers uh, without, with, without having to be the one to bring up the subject. And so uh, he took his oars and on one uh, he painted faith and on the other one he painted works and he uh, and he began to row as and they would fill up his little boat and he would uh, get set out across the lock and he would be rowing and invariably someone would ask sir why do you have 
faith and works painted on either or. Uh, and he said, well, let me demonstrate for you and let me show you what happens if you have faith without uh, works. And he would lift works out of the water and just pull on faith. And of course, uh, he would just start going in circles. He wasn't making any progress. He wasn't making any, uh, any, any uh, accomplishing anything toward his goal. And then he said, and if you've got works without faith, and he'd switch them and start pulling on that one. And they'd start spinning the opposite direction until uh, finally he had the opportunity to say, listen, faith begets works. You can work without faith and you can have faith without, work, work without works, but you'll never get anywhere. As a Christian, you may have faith and you might end up in heaven, but you're going to accomplish nothing. If you're uh, a lost person and you've got works, you're trying to do good things, but you don't have faith in Christ, then you're going to spend eternity in hell. You're not going to ever reach the destination that you're looking for. And either way, your life is a life of futility that means little and accomplishes nothing for the glory of God. But when you have faith and works pulling together, when you have faith and works stroking together through the water and you can speed up and you can slow down, but you can move forward for the cause of Christ. That is a, a, a pulling on both oars together is a preserving, growing, developing faith. Every Christian should desire to have more faith produced in their life. And every Christian should be dedicated to preserving that faith in their life, to be using that faith to the glory of God. Then thirdly, this morning, we see then how faith is proclaimed or how it's evidenced. <clears throat> I think it's only reasonable to expect that a Christian who is living by faith will have evidence of that faith in their life. That they'll have things that they can look back to in their life that will remind them how God came through for them. I know for Sonia and I, we have many things over the years that we can look back at at this stage of life. Now in our mid-50s, we can look back and see where God put a decision before us and we could, we could make that decision based upon the wisdom of man or we could step out by faith. And if we would have made the decisions that we made and those decisions at the time were not the leading of God, they clearly would have been foolish. But because they were led the leading of God, they were an exercise of faith. And because of that, God provided and God intervened and God worked. And, and the, as a result of that, our confidence in God grew. And we were willing when the next time came around to step out by faith because after all, God had come through before. And if God came through when I obeyed him then, why wouldn't I expect that God will come through when I obey him now? Uh, and so it is that developing and growing faith. Listen, how does that faith Proclaimed. How is it proclaimed to the lost world? How is it proclaimed to weaker, younger Christians that are not as mature in the faith? How is it that that older Christian, that older saint nearing the end of their life makes an impact on the younger saint? Well, if that younger saint is hungry to grow and is paying attention, what they'll see is there's evidence of faith throughout that lifetime that will inspire them, that will give them confidence, that will Help them uh, to be mindful and growing in the grace of God. Matthew chapter 9 uh, and verse number 29. Uh, as we look here uh, again, the Lord dealing with, uh, with problems in people's lives and coming to their aid and working the will of the Father and uh, intervening in life. We see 
two blind men who come uh, and and are healed, and a demon again that's uh, that that's cast out, and uh, and he says here, beginning in verse twenty-seven, and when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying, saying, "Thou son of David, have mercy on us." And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touching their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Why is faith so important? Because we cannot have the best that God has for us. We cannot have our eyes opened. We cannot have our hearts encouraged if we lack faith. According to your faith, be it unto you. Listen, as a Christian, I want a growing faith. I want to be building that faith. I want to be working that faith. Why? Because I understand the day is going to come when I'm going to be blind to something and I need God to open my eyes. When I am discouraged and I need God to encourage my heart. When I'm overwhelmed and I need God to lift me up above the wave. When I'm feeling crushed down and I need God uh, to intervene and be my defense. Listen, according to your faith, be it unto you. No one has to be overwhelmed by sin. No one has to be overwhelmed by circumstance. But if we lack faith, we will be. And the time to build faith and grow faith is not in the midst of the storm. It's whenever things are calm. You don't build and you don't get anywhere if you go into a hostile environment and situation without preparation, uh, then bad things will happen. <clears throat> About a month ago, uh, whenever I was able to go out west and hike across the Grand Canyon, I put a lot of effort into preparing for that trip. I made sure that I had the right equipment. I made sure that I put in the distance. I was uh, walking and jogging 40 to 50 miles a week for two months leading up to it, getting ready. Uh, I was prepared for the heat. We had uh, a way to purify water. We had uh, a way to carry the water that we needed, and it was still difficult. It was still very challenging. It was still uh, uh, something that was a hardship. It was not an easy thing to accomplish. Just I read just uh, about two or three days ago, uh, a 53-year-old woman just a year younger than myself was in a party of five and they set out across uh, this past week and she got in trouble because they didn't plan and prepare well and she got heat illness and before the rangers could get to her it took till the next day uh, then she died lack of preparation lack of knowing the environment lack of respecting what uh, the hardship that they were going in. And I don't know all of the underlying conditions. And I'm certainly am making a couple of assumptions there and uh, don't mean any disrespect to the loss of life there. But the reality is this, is that you have to prepare before the battle, not in the battle. You have to prepare before the stress comes, before the problem comes. You don't grow your faith in the adversity. The adversity can grow your faith, but it has to have the tools to build upon. You put the tools, you put the word of God in your heart when things are at ease, when things are calm, when things are able to be developed and working in your life. According to your faith, be it unto you. These men in their blindness built their faith so that when the opportunity came and Jesus said, according to your faith, be it unto you, they had the faith for God to move upon. Mark chapter 2 and verse 5, Jesus comes and sees these uh, palsied men and he looks at them and he has compassion on them and it says in verse number one in Mark chapter two and again he entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noise that he was in the house and straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them no not so much as about the door and he preached the word unto them 
And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And they would, when they could not come nigh unto them for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Now they're so convinced that Jesus can do this thing that they would not be stopped by the crowd. They would not be stopped by, by the inaccessibility of the building. They, they were willing to crawl on the roof and to rip a hole in the man's roof in an effort to get to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. He didn't move until he saw their faith. Perhaps this morning we don't see God move in our lives because he doesn't see any faith. He's waiting to see your faith. He's waiting to see it exercised. He's waiting to see uh, us put it into action. When Jesus saw their faith, this palsied man was healed. His sins were forgiven. Are we exercising faith in our daily life? Are we allowing God to work in our lives on a regular basis. Years ago when Hudson Taylor was setting out for China, his very first trip, he was on a sailing ship. You don't think about that too much in our time, in our days, everything is motorized. But he's in a sailing ship and they are out to sea and the wind died down. And they were near some islands that were known to be inhabited by uh, by very ferocious cannibals and they're, 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 no one survived that went ashore there. There was no record of that and, uh, and the wind died and they were at the mercy of the current of the ocean. And as the current of the ocean began to carry them closer to the shore of the island, the cannibals took notice that dinner was about to be served. And the closer they got, the more of them appeared on the beach. And they were just waiting for these men to be brought in by the ocean current. The captain came and asked him, as a, knowing that he was a missionary, and their conversations about what he was going to China to do. And he said to him, <coughs> he said, I need you to pray for wind or we're going to perish. And Hudson Taylor looked at him and he said, I'll pray if you hoist the sails. And the captain said, I can't hoist the sails without any wind. I'll be a laughing stock. I'll, I'll lose the, the respect of my crew. And, uh, and they, uh, they'll, they'll laugh me to scorn as we are swept into shore and are, are, are killed by these native men. He still refused. Hudson Taylor refused to pray. Finally, they got close enough that they got even more concerned and the captain finally came out and said, I'm hoisting the sail, start praying. Hudson Taylor began to pray. And as he began to pray, the wind began to pick up. And after a while, the wind became very strong and the captain came down to the room in which he was praying on the ship in the cabin and he said, you can stop praying now. We have more wind than we can handle. And they're saved. Why? Because faith had to be exercised. Faith is not, okay, God, I sense that you're moving, so now I'm going to join in. Faith is when God speaks to our hearts and tells us what needs to be done, and we respond even before he begins to move, trusting that God is going to move in the storm. That is a growing faith. Is your faith growing this morning? 
Hey, listen, if you've been a third of the church that's been sick over the last couple of weeks, uh, my heart goes out to you. I know how you feel. I remember just a year ago uh, being uh, in the same condition as a few of you and much worse than most. Uh, I, I know what it's like. I know how long it took to recover. I know what it was like to go through the process. I know all of those things. I'm just saying this morning that this is a time in which your faith will fail or your faith will grow. God is wanting to grow your faith. God is wanting to build your faith. Are you going to spend time enough in the word of God to put it in your heart that God has something to build from? When God speaks and says, this is what I need you to do, what I want you to do, what I'd like for you to do. Are you going to sit back and wait until you know for sure that God's moving or someone else had the courage to step out before you get involved? Or are you going to say, hey, if this is what God has for me, then I'm going to move. Believing that when I move upon what God's told me to do, that God will move. It's not a matter of tempting God and saying, okay, God, I want you to move, so I'm going to step out and do this. It's a matter of, did God tell me? Did God's spirit lead me? Did God guide and direct me? Am I following his will? Am I following his plan? Am I following his direction? If God has made clear his direction and his plan and his course, then you must move. Not when he does, but when he speaks. For when you move after he's spoken, he'll begin to move. Is God moving in your life this morning, Christian? Is God growing your confidence in him as your defender? Is God taking your faith from position to where you would say, oh, the enemy's coming, I'm, I'm wilting, I'm going to run and hide? Or have you grown enough to the place where you, like David, could say, hey, the enemy's coming, God, I'm standing here, you're my defense, I'm not going to be greatly moved. I might hunker down, I might shift, I might second guess, I might get tossed around a little bit, but I'm not going to abandon my post. I'm staying right where you planted me. Tor, has it grown to the point where you would just say, I shall not be moved at all. You can't intellectually stand up and say, when this comes, I'll not be moved. Because you'll never truly know how you'll respond to anything until you face it. There are a lot of things in life that we can look at and say, this is what I would do if I was in that situation. This is the call I would have made, Pastor, if I had your responsibility in this situation. This is what I would do if I was facing this problem. This is what, what, uh, what uh, relationships I would engage in or sever if I had this thing going on in my life. Listen, you, we, can, we can speculate what we think we would do all we want, but until we face it, we'll never really know. Be preparing to face difficulty. Be preparing to face opposition. Be preparing to be put into the midst of a battle. Knowing that God is your defense. Knowing that God is our captain. Knowing that God is our leader. Knowing that, the Jesus, that Jesus Christ is the savior of our soul and the leaders of our life. The Holy Spirit is the keeper of that salvation. We have no need to fear, but we do have a need to follow his lead. To listen to what he says. To engage in what he's given us to do. And when God has spoken, and when we step out, then God moves. Our faith has grown. God's will is accomplished. He's glorified. And the world is impacted for the cause of Christ. They may not always accept it. They may not always like it. They might fight back even harder. But that doesn't matter. What matters 
is that the word of God, that the person of the Lord Jesus Christ was lifted up, was exalted, and proclaimed in every avenue of our life. Would you let him work in your heart and life this morning?